HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program is brought to you by the Dairy Farm Families of Wisconsin, the Wisconsin Milk Marketing Board. Did you know that today Wisconsin produces more than 600 varieties, types, and styles of American, international style, and original cheese that win more awards than any other state or country? To learn more, visit eatwisconsincheese.com. I'm Damon Bolte, host of The Speakeasy. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. Hello and welcome to Cutting the Curd, broadcasting live on the Heritage Radio Network. This is Greg Blaze, and on the line we have two Cutting the Curd regulars, Deborah Dickerson and Matt Rubiner. Thank you both for coming on the show. How are you today, guys? Greetings. Good, good. Yeah, nice. Hey, Deborah. <laughs> Hi, Matt. <laughs> uh, it's nice to talk to you. Today was an absolutely brutal day of inventory and promotional retail garbage. So, uh, oh, shit, i got to do inventory. Yeah, exactly. The end of the month, you know. <laughs> Keep the engine running. Oh, God. <laughs> Brutal. <laughs> Brutal. Um, Brutal. <laughs> so on today's show, we're going to talk all about cheese mites. For those hmm. of you who don't know about cheese mites, I'm sorry to break the news, but there are microscopic bugs that often consume the rinds of certain types of cheese. Most of the time, they're pests, but for a small handful of cheeses, they are a desired part of the aging process. Cheese mites belong to the same family of other not-so-popular bug species like lice and ticks. Yummy, yummy, what? yummy. Yum, 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 yum. <laughs> so my first question to both of you, and maybe, Matt, you can go first, is do you remember the first time you learned about cheese mites? Were you totally grossed out, or did you think, hey, it's delicious, so I'm going to eat it anyway? Uh, no, I don't remember being grossed out. I, I, you know, I was such a starry-eyed young proto-cheesemonger that uh, you know, the, the notion thrilled me. But it was actually at, uh, um, at Neil's Yard Dairy where I did this you know, brief little stage. And, of course, they stuck me in the cellar um, scraping mites, as was explained to me, off of uh, carfilius into a, you know, into a bucket of bleach um, under the tutelage of uh, Beth Carlson, who I think you both remember, who was <laughs> oh, yeah. singing, singing wow. songs about Malines at the top of her lungs while I, uh, <laughs> while, <laughs> while I, uh, while I got covered in vermin. So the, the question was, which was the best company, Beth or the Mites, huh? <laughs> well, she was singing louder. 
<laughs> they even still they still make millions. Oh my gosh, I haven't even heard anyone mention that for like I don't know a long time. I don't know, but she wrote a very catchy tune about it and other cheese. <laughs> um, what about you, Debs? Do you also? It must have been the Neil's Yard Dare for you too, or was it before then? It was actually, I think the information came down from Randolph at Neil's Yard Dairy, but it was at Zingerman's, and we had this amazing uh, refrigerated stand-up case behind the line, right, where we had all these cheeses, and we used to have races to see whose mites could move the farthest (laughs) over the period of the shift. (laughs) It was fascinating. (laughs) A little bit of bugs. Debs, what are the signs of mites, and what types of cheeses do they love the most? They love natural rinded cheeses, and uh, the signs of them are the, the craters in the rind of the cheese um, or the, the what looks to be dust, tan bits of dust. And when you open a cheese that has been wrapped in paper and is, um, is covered with mites, you, you can smell them. They have, to my, to my nose, they have a very particular odor. It's kind of a combination of ammonia and uh, mites. Yeah, like the, but it's the, it's like their mite poop is what it kind of smells like. It's like yeah, ugh. yeah, it's just it is what it is. Yeah, but what, but when, but do they do they add flavor? I mean, do they add flavor to the cheese? Do they do anything positive for the cheese? Do you think? Well, I don't actually. I I don't. I, I mean, I'm a little. Re, I, I'm a rind eater myself. But when I know that mites have have preceded me, I tend to be a little bit leery. Um, and to me, it's the ammoniation and the rind. If you look like a at an osso arati, you know, yeah. it tends to be sticky and and it has a. Um, it, the flavor is not pleasant to me. So uh, I think that they destroy the rind. They um, they hold moisture in with the dust that comes on top, and the result is indeed a flavor, but I don't think a pleasant one. What about you, Matt? Well, you know, it's, it's interesting because the um, until I just kind of started reading about, well, that's not really true. I always considered mites, just like Deborah said, a, a pest, something you don't want on. There's something to be removed. I knew that uh, um, I knew that they were an integral part, at least in the look of a uh, you know mimolette, you know, the most famous um, absolutely you know, the cannonball cheese, which yeah. is this you know sort of Edam-like French cannonball that that uh, um, owes much of its um, at least visual character to a you know a lunar scape of of uh, you know mite carvings on the surface. Um, and I always imagine that to just be tradition. But a couple of years ago, I started you know some of these young whippersnapper cheesemongers referring to mited cheeses. We were in a we were in a cheese uh, cellar um, in France when we were there for this uh, cheesemonger competition. And uh, people were pointing out, oh, this is a mited Beaufort, or this is a mited, you know, this or that. And I, and I just thought, mited? Seriously? Yeah, what like, the hell's this that? Is, this is something being applied to, you know, in some way enhance the cheese. Um, so that really struck me. And then as I was doing a little reading, you know, um, on, on uh, um, you know, Wikipedia and other, uh, other scholarly sources, <laughs> um, you know, it kind of referred to a fruity, nutty flavor that the mites will eventually impart. But I can never get past the, you know, like Deborah, I'm so sensitive to the smell of them, and I really feel that I can smell them um, before they, I can actually see their, you know, well, I can't really see them so easily, but see their mite, mite detritus. And uh, um, yeah, I've never thought of it as, as in any way enhancing of a flavor. I always thought it as just a, just a nuisance and detracting from the flavor and to be brushed off as thoroughly as possible. It's, it's interesting because I've, I've heard it described as a burnt flavor, 
which um, makes sense to me. I wouldn't have picked the word out, but in other cheeses, I, I've associated that word with a positive association. So I wonder how much of it is my knowledge of what they look like under the microscope. Right, just because they're it, so it, creepy. It, it will not allow me to put that flavor in a in a positive category. In a positive I mean, I look attribute. like hell under a microscope, too. But, uh, <laughs> but is it bugs? I mean, are you like, do you just not or, like bugs? Or to the naked eye. <laughs> you're, you're a flashy-looking guy, Rubiner. A flashy-looking guy. You're beautiful. <laughs> Great face for radio. Um, but, but, I mean, is it true? I mean, there's bugs everywhere. I mean, there's bugs that are... On you know, there's flower mites, there's mold mites, dust mites. I mean, there's little bugs that live in like your eyelashes that like eat garbage out of your hair on your face. I mean, is it's like these... speak for yourself. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I I don't I don't mind them, but I think it's interesting. Um, there's some cheeses that are made with mites. Uh, when I was doing a little research, there's this German cheese called. I'm going to butcher this. Milbenkäser, which means mite cheese. And there's like a statue made to it, I believe. And it manufactures um, – you. It, it's like utilizes mites um, when the wheels you know, are, are ready um, to – or logs, whatever they're shaped like. The, the cheese is made from cork. They're placed in a box with mite dust and rye flour. And the flour provides an additional food source for the mites so that they'll still have an effect on the flavor of the cheese but consume less of the finished product. I don't know. That's that's a little weird to me. But I mean, would you I, eat I, I, that, I, I, I that rind, Greg? Would you eat that rind? Truly, I might once or twice. I mean, oh. I mean, I used to eat Stilton rinds, uh, but because I think I was just kind of a moron. But I would like eat Stilton rinds and try to convince myself that that tasted good, and they were completely infested with mites. I remember. I remember. Um, we had like Neil's Yard Dairy Stilton back in I think the the nineties. That yeah, there was like a big. I want to say maybe I'm wrong, but I think there was like a lar- there was a large mite problem there. That was the first time that I saw of it, or the first time that I saw cheese mites. Um, and I remember them like jumping all around the counter. Uh, Jason Hines uh, was like showing me them on like the inside of a of a of a wrapper of Stilton, and I was like, "Oh shit, there's bugs on my cheese, man! You know what's going on with that?" Right. <laughs> and right. I know the uh, perhaps it's apocryphal, but you know the Daniel Defoe. Um, Spoke lovingly of when he was served Stilton, which by his description seemed like a very different cheese than it probably became. Uh, but that uh, the mites were, you know, so liberally encrusted on the outside, you were you were issued a spoon um, with which to eat the mites, and he noted they tasted faintly of curry. That's so um, weird, and I remember man. once at Formaggio back in the day, um, I think it was me and Nice Guy Vinny Maniachi. Ah, uh, Nice Guy Vinny Maniachi. Some, uh, can't go through a whole. Uh, can't go through a whole. Um, Cutting the curd without bringing up Ice Guy Vinny, but but we uh, and we scooped up spoonfuls of it and we ate it and uh, tasted faintly of curry. But did, <laughs> that's that's weird. But is it is there a health risk? I mean, is there is it going to hurt you? Or have you ever heard of any health risks like in in terms of uh, people ingesting mites? I've heard of uh, itchy skin. Right. Um, I've never heard of anybody actually getting uh, any sort of mite poisoning. No. I I have read that if you ingest an, uh, enough amount not filled in that you will become you'll have an ulcerated stomach lining which makes perfect sense to me i got that anyway yeah there's also a mite in uh in hay um that is uh supposed to be thought to carry the mad cow disease so under that really Mm -hmm. that i did not know i mean i'm of the i'm of a weird uh cross-section of especially just working to be a cheesemonger for so long that 
I just assume that there are bugs that that that's all bugs to me. You know what I mean? Like there are bugs. <laughs> bugs make the cheese. Bugs live in the cheese. Bugs live on the cheese. Bugs live on my skin. Bugs live inside my body. You know what I mean? It's all it's all little bugs doing something. So um, yeah, I never found it to be particularly. Um, I don't know. I, I guess I, I I didn't take a hard stance on it because I'm not a cheesemaker. As a retailer, you know, it's different. Um, and you know, I mean, Matt, have you you seen like a has, have you ever got like an infestation, like a mite infestation at your counter? Not at the counter, but in in our storage areas and, and in the past, and you know, proper cheese, you know, caves and stuff. It's and it's you know, it's something. I remember when we first when we opened, you know, what we alleged to be. I never knew if it was really true, but you know, the first cheese cave in America. Which was in the accountant's office downstairs after we removed her and uh, and, and uh, stuffed it with Stiltons, and um, and we tried. And I, I invented a uh, um, although I, I I never saw much revenue on it, but I invented a simple uh, mite removal contraption. Uh, what's that? Um, where I took a I took a, a spe- it was specifically Shop for back? Stiltons, and I oh, took no. a, like a five gallon bucket, uh-huh. right? And I filled it with uh, you know a, 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 a weak bleach solution. And then I put over that a, an overturned um, milk crate, you know, your standard model milk crate, and the size was perfect so that the milk crate kind of rotated around the top. And, of course, it was, you know, it was, had holes in the top. So, and then you would put the silt in there, and while turning the milk crate with a floor brush, you kind of brushed downward and got, the, uh, got it off. But, you know, it, 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 pretty it took it off. Nice. I'll be rich. Yeah. Rich, I tell you. Um, but, it, you know, it, it got it off somewhat. But, you know, these cheeses we are getting, whether it be those or occasionally the, you know, the cloth-bound cheddars, um, they were just going to come in with mites, and there was just no way around it. And, you know, we used to think that, hey, if we put the, the particularly mighty ones down on the bottom shelves, um, it, uh, um, you know, they would be slower to take hold on the cheeses on the upper shelves. And it wasn't clear that that really worked. I think these things fly around pretty good, but really, um, I thought it was true. They only dropped down. Never. Oh, really? Oh, maybe we were smarter than yes. we thought. That was my understanding, but I might have heard it from you, so I don't know. <laughs> well, it's definitely wrong. <laughs> that is not right. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I mean, you know, it's it's, uh, and so we, you know, we get you know lots of cheeses with mite here, not just stilton's and not just cloth-bound cheddar. Occasionally, we'll get meat with. Mites on it, which is a little uncon- um, you know disconcerting. But we'll get you know aged, um, you know prosciutto's made on you know on a, on a rustic scale, and there'll yep. be these kind of pockets. I've that, seen that. Yeah, you know, actually, I don't even know for sure if they're mites, but they but they uh, they have the same sort of you know outward visible signs of of you know dead mite, mite crap, you know chewed up cheese, whatever it is that causes that dust. So I, I think, and not to always go back to my whole shtick of like things were better in the olden days, but because they weren't. But but I do feel like um, you know that it certainly customs was more lax because we definitely got like cloth bound cheddar and we got mimolet that were just covered in mites. I mean, yeah, you get those Cesar Losfeld ones. Yeah, dug 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 deep with mites. I mean, you could just bang 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 them out on the counter, and uh, there'd just be this massive cloud that would like get on your skin and make you itch a little bit. Um, but that same cheese, Mimolette, made headlines in 2013 because the FDA, I guess, began detaining shipments of the cheese due to mites. Uh, from what I understand, there's no official like limit to how many mites can be there, but the target is no more than six mites per square inch. Like, <laughs> right <there. laughs> like, what the hell is that? How are you even supposed to measure that? That's like, it's insane. <laughs> what are your thoughts on that? It's impossible. Right. 
Right, because yeah, sure. they they multiply every ten, they reproduce every ten days. They live from two to five months. You take the piece of cheese, you put it in a lovely piece of cheese paper, perhaps slightly waxed on the inside to retain moisture, and you ship it for three weeks on a boat. Good lord, right? You've got a new, you've got a hundred new colonies. So it's impossible unless they're waxed, right? right? That's what I've heard. That's what that's that's the rind that protects them. But I've even gotten uh, mimolettes when I was getting a uh, Dutch mimolette, uh, which I believe is the original mimolette. Um, um, I think the French stole it from the Dutch, or that's what I would, that's what I heard from the Dutch. And then of course also the French, known as Edom. Yeah, basically. And there was some sort of a dispute between um, you know um, between Holland and France, and uh, you know then the cheese was made. And all those countries are you know. They, they, get, they get cross with one another there. Um, <laughs> um, but I've gotten Dutchman will let that had a layer of wax and they had the mites underneath it. Um, yeah, that's a little bit tough. Um, that's a resilient bug, man. I mean, you got what, like a fruit fly lives like for like, what, like 20 hours or something like that? But these but- tiny little guys, they like, they're there for a while, man. That's like, that's crazy. Really crazy. I, I don't remember anything. Uh, maybe you guys do it. I wasn't paying attention. But uh, I don't remember much about... Um, any reports from the FDA about why specifically these these mites were thought to be an issue? They just kind of issued these dictates and and you know unreachable you know mite per square inch targets. That's uh, but has anybody ever did they specifically declare you know these these mites are a hazard to human health because that that that? Well, that's the thing. I mean, what what I why I think it's interesting is because. They're not. I mean, we have our opinions on them um, because we we know how they affect the flavor of the cheese, you know, or how we and uh, some of those are experiential. Like, you know, we we associate what they look like under a microscope or what they smell like, you know. But but I don't know if they're harmful or not. I don't. I don't. But isn't it that it's not an ingredient, so it is viewed as a foreign object? Right. Is it, but is it? Oh, is that it? Is that I what? think that that's it. It's not an ingredient, and it's traveling, so it's deemed. A, a, that's my understanding. Mm. So, and, like, it's an organic, but it's it's organic matter that's like a considered like a pathogen or something like that. I don't know. But it it isn't pathogenic, no. right? I mean, that's the thing. So, we lose the traditional mimolette, or we did for a while. Um, and how far does it go? I was reading somewhere that. It was uh, probably in the early 1900s where in America they were rejoicing in the um, production of block cheddar because when they were able to do blocks, they were then able to uh, plastic wrap them and uh, have no rind whatsoever, which meant no mites. So a serious labor savings, right? Another uh, another nod to technology. don't know. Have you seen that uh, silent movie that's often referred to? About yes, very mites? good. Nice hunk of bread there. <laughs> Called Cheese Mites? <laughs> yeah, it's, a, it's like this little thing, and there's this you know dapper English fellow sitting down reading his paper, which he's um, with a big chunk of Stilton, I believe, next to him. And, and he's got his magnifying glass, apparently, to enlarge the print of the paper. It's right. like a 1903 silent um, movie, or maybe it was a series of, of short movies, each of which... Um, uh, you know, highlighted something filmed through a microscope. So anyway, this guy's, uh, you can get it on YouTube, this guy's uh, um, reading the paper, and then he glances over at the cheese, and then he sees, uh, you know, that it's actually absolutely crawling in these this, uh, these little bugs. And, and apparently, the, at least according to, again, the scholarly sources uh, that I've read, Wikipedia <laughs> and the like, 
um, it was banned at some point, um, you know, as indecent and, you know, shouldn't be shouldn't be viewed by the common folk. That video was? That's, that's... The video, yeah, the Stilton was fine. It was just the video. <laughs> <laughs> These are the things that we do in our spare time. Yeah. Um, so mites are out there, and, uh, and they've been discussed, and they're interesting little critters. Um, so we're going to take a short break and then come back, and we're going to talk a little bit more about cheese mites. The one and only Dave Arnold brings the noise to Heritage Radio Network every Tuesday on Cooking Issues. Coming to you live on the Heritage Radio Network from Roberta's Pizzeria in Bushwick, Brooklyn. If the bomb was going to drop and you only had 15 minutes, which is like, I can, I can make a sandwich in 15 minutes. you would be eating a sandwich. I'd kiss my wife, make a sandwich. If you believe that it's all about to be over, why eat healthy? I'm not a freaking Neanderthal. I like a tempered ice cream sandwich. But it's the only way to get around it if you're a party master because you, you're going to wind up, like, your kitchen's going to fill with dishes. And is Some there... people have commercial dishwashers in their house. Who? I've seen them. Who? I've seen them. Who? <laughs> really rich people. <laughs> For more mile-a-minute knowledge from Dave and the crew, listen to Cooking Issues, available on Heritage Radio Network, iTunes, and Stitcher. Welcome back to Cutting the Curd. This is Greg Blaze with Deborah Dickerson and Matt Rubiner, and we are talking about cheese mites. I wanted to recite part of a John Updike poem called Mites to get us back into mite mode after the break. Uh, there's a lot written about mites. To be a mite at all, to be so small, you can rest as in a bunk bed beneath a flea's scales, or expend a lifetime in a single chicken feather, or the mite pouch of a carpenter bee. Think how nature slaved over these arrangements, 30,000 species of acarines, 50 from the Antarctic alone, and some found five miles up Everest or a mile down in the sea. Itch mites, cheese mites, monkey lung mites, each making its way through the several larval stages. These mini spiders, characterized by lack of a waste, lateral eyes, and tininess. We marvel, we pity, we loathe, we try to forget perspectives from which we are smaller yet. <laughs> I'm also wasteless, so... <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was a pretty good poem. <laughs> um, well, so the question is if there are indeed dust mites and uh, and cheese mites, and we're not, you know, we're not trying to protect ourselves against the mites in our pillows. Why are we going so overboard on the mites in our cheese? Right. right? That's, that's Except a, they're so visible, and the, and we are actually eating them, of course. We are eating them, but you can contain them, right? They're a natural part of the cheese making. You can contain them with good sanitation and brushing your cheeses less than 10 days so they don't have time to procreate and go crazy. Well, that's a that's a good thing, and it leads me to my next question. Like, how if you have if you are a cheesemaker and you get a mite infestation, Deborah, how do you get rid of them? Methyl bromide would be my last choice. That sounds right? poisonous. What? Uh, <laughs> rodents, flies, varmints, cheese mites, and any humans who are unfortunate enough to be within the vicinity. 
Um, I know that there were cheesemakers who were using in England, uh, and I'm sure beyond, but my experiences in England were using uh, methyl bromide. And it's just really toxic. It's just a really horrible, horrible gas. And it was finally outlawed. Um, and now I know that people use... Um, uh, they use diatomaceous earth. Yeah, what's that which all about? Which is fascinating. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's volcanic soil, uh, I believe, that is very, very fine, and you sprinkle it on the mites, and it disrupts their shell, and they dehydrate. Right, we get that uh, in cheese judging at the uh, at the ACS. We'll get things that are clearly dusted in diatomaceous earth. Really. Well, I didn't know what the hell it was, so I called over one of the tech guys here and there, and they're like, "Oh yeah, yeah, they're clearly trying to trying to suppress the mites with diatomaceous earth." I was like, "No, it looks like dirt." Whatever right? floats your boat. <laughs> That's crazy. I mean, both of my judgings, I actually never knew that, or I never ran across um, ran across that. Um, I also read that like ozone machines are being used to limit mite damage in large raising facilities and small, um, s- some smaller ones too. Um, like, but isn't the problem with that is that it kills everything? Well, yeah, it takes all the oxygen out. Um, <laughs> so that's kind of not good for the cheese uh, the cheese ripening process. You know, um, that's interesting to me. I mean, and I mean, you touched on this um, this before, Matt. But like, how do you um, how do you manage um, mites as a retailer? Well, I mean, I got to say that that you know, it's it, it, you know, we keep them at bay in storage areas. Um, you know, the cheeses are being inspected and brushed and so forth. You know, every day. Um, you know, at least once, of course, and 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 typically more than once, um, as we're you know wrapping them and inspecting them in the morning. But I got to say, it's it's you know, it's never really been a problem. Even when you know, like at Formaggio, where we had this kind of mite-ridden cave, um, it wasn't. Uh, it really wasn't a problem. The cheese was moving quickly enough, and far from being a, a um, you know a deterrent to sales, um, we we found a you know a uh, a measured conversation about the the mite infestation on the surface actually piqued customers' interest. Um, and uh, um, yeah, so it, 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 in in our situations or my situations over the years, um, it's never really been a concern. I can imagine a um, you know a cheesemaker or you know some affineur with a um, with cheeses being you know ravaged by these things. But we found that just just uh, just keeping them at bay, keeping the you know the um, you know the these big tufts of mite from forming. And if, you know, if cheeses really did, you know, occasionally we would get um, cheeses with a wax or kind of polycoat or whatever they call it, rind, that, you know, give them enough time, the mites are going to, mites are going to find their way into there in a mighty enough room. So, um, you know, as long as we're keeping them at bay um, and we're not, we're not storing a lot of cheese, you know, comparatively, and we're not, and, you know, we're moving it relatively quickly, um, it's just never really been too much of an issue except kind of as a conversation piece. Deborah, what's your mightiest cheese that you've dealt with out there in California? Ooh, do I have to name names? Yeah, why not? <laughs> okay. Well, I believe it has been corrected, but there was a, uh, a brief stint when we were receiving Fiscaline each other. Ah. Um, magnificent uh, English-style cheese. Yeah, it's a good, ch- good lockdown cheddar. Yeah, fantastic flavor. I haven't had that but in a couple years either. It had gotten an infestation of mites underneath the rind, and they had done really deep damage like we were seeing the other thing about them it's not just the smell or the perceived taste whatever that may be to your palate but it's these huge craters and they were you know these puppies were half an inch to an inch deep in the cheese 
And it happened in the aging room, and I think they were heavy on age. And this is what happened. The mites were, you know, delighted. And the anyway, however, however it came to be. And there was a lot of damage. I mean, there just was a lot of damage in the cheese. So there's these big craters like the face of the moon. And from that, different molds came in um, and cracks came in the cheese. And then you got the gray. And it was it was a lot of waste on a cheese that tasted really good once you cut all that away. Yeah, those cheddars are nice and sweet and fudgy. And uh, I, think I, I think I may have gotten one or two of those. I think that was at the – that might have been the time even when I was out there working. Was that in like 2000 and – Eight two thousand and seven around. Yeah, that time? I think it. I think it was, and after that, they started uh, stripping the cloth off before yeah. they sold them. Which right, is... and it was like they were cleaning them and stripping the cloth, and then packaging them. Do, um, do they cut? But, do, so the mites do cut into the profit margin of the cheese. Then, like they do, they will. They will make you lose product. I think so. I mean, I've read fifteen to twenty-five percent of your of the weight of your cheese. Wow, that's a lot of eating. And I, you know, I think it depends on age, right? What do you think, Rubes? Uh, yeah, I mean, certainly not in my retail experience. I mean, I was up at uh, um, at uh, um, Jasper Hill not that long ago, you know, and in there a Cabot cloth found, and, and it's very rare that we get a Cabot cloth found that doesn't have some kind of you know, light dusting of my right. which we've never saw was a problem. But, you know, in that room, they're also, um, um, they're also aging some, some, you know, more or less rindless cheeses for different purposes. And, you know, there's like a whole palette of ones that were, you know, fairly well ravaged. Not palette's a strong word, but, um, but fairly well, fairly well ravaged. Right. Um, it just needs to be, you know, the kind of the cost of doing business. I remember, I remember years ago we were in there, and I don't know what ever became of it, but they had these, uh, it looked like a big kind of, you know the sort of file cabinet that you would, you know, an architect would, you know, um, you know, drawers in which an architect would lay its lay his plans. These big flat yeah. drawers, and they were full of mites, and they're experimenting with all kinds of things. Even, you know, wondering if mites can be, you know, mites that had been vacuumed, and they do vacuum these things. Mites had been vacuumed off of the cheddars could be used in some way, you know, as fertilizer or something. I don't know that anything ever became of that, but uh, but yeah, no, in the retail environment, you know, it's never really uh, never really bothered us too much. Yeah, it only got me back in the day. Have you ever guys in the in the Luigi Gufanti in a you know in Arona in their caves they have this crazy exhi- exhibition. It says like to to immortal milk, and it's like this wall where they have these cheeses that have they must have been down there for years, and they're just so desiccated with mites. It's just a a little experiment, but but the cheeses I get from the other part of the cave aren't that mighty. It's just like they, I don't know whether they're just attracting them all to that, you know, so that they don't feed on other things, but it's pretty imp- pretty impressive. Um, I, remember, uh, I remember Daphne Zeppos telling me, recounting tales of being in the caves in, in Arona at Luigi Gufanti. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Giovanni taking on the tour. This is where we keep the Parmigiano, and this is where the Provolone, <laughs> and this is where we keep our disasters. <laughs> <laughs> Those guys are insane. Like they, they, they do things like that. Like I remember walking out, I was like, wow. And, and I was like, yeah, <laughs> this is where we keep our disasters. My apologies uh, to the Fiori boys for my, uh, you know, Guido Sarducci style <laughs> Italian imitation. <laughs> nice. Uh, Deborah, what do you, what do you think of that? That's bad of a future in the, uh, in, in, as a, as an Italian impersonator. Uh, I, I, I think he should keep all <laughs> options open. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
You're so diplomatic, Deborah. You are. It's 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 very nice. It's very nice. Um, well, those guys all sent me like uh, gorgonzola, their 300 day gorgonzola, uh, which is as brown as the wood on my my coffee table in the middle. Which and I, it's going to have mites on it. It well. does. It had it had yeah. like mites, and I had never. Uh, I, there's there's basically there was like no rind on it either. Uh, yeah. That's insane. Um, <laughs> well, that's good. Well, I, I literally you know I enjoyed uh, having you guys on to talk about mites. I mean, we we learned a little bit today. We learned that Matt um, is looking uh, on um, on YouTube for strange uh, semi pornographic cheese videos of English people <laughs> eating stilton. Always am. <laughs> and um, we learned a little bit about how to take care of mites uh, with toxic poisons or with volcanic dirt. I think I'm going to go with the volcanic dirt. Um, and uh, you got to hear me read a poem, so all of that was fantastic. Uh, so th- thanks so much for coming on the show, Deborah and Matt. Um, I think if there's a takeaway to this episode, it's that good, real food isn't sterile. Sometimes it's those things that scare us that give us the food its, its character, and it link it to a place in time. So thanks for listening, and tune in next week for more Cutting the Curd. Thanks. Always a pleasure. Yeah. Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.